penance, confession, contrition, satisfaction, absolution, confirmation, on the obedience of a Christian man by William Tyndale. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Penance. Penance is a word of their own forging to deceive us withal, as many others are. In the scripture, we find penitentia, repentance, agi penitentiam, do repent, penitiat vos, let it repent you, menenoit, in Greek, forthink ye, or let it forthink you. Of repentance, they have made penance, to blind the people, and to make them think that they must take pains and do some holy deeds to make satisfaction for their sins, namely, such as they enjoined them. As thou mayest see in the Chronicles, when great kings and tyrants, which with violence of sword conquered other kings, lands, and slew all that came to hand, came to themselves and had conscience of their wicked deeds, then the bishops coupled them not to Christ, but unto the Pope, and preached the Pope unto them, and made them to submit themselves, and also their realms, unto the Holy Father the Pope, and to take penance, as they call it, that is to say, such injunctions as the Pope and bishops would command them to do, to build abbeys, to endote them with livelihood, to be prayed for forever, and to give them exemptions and privilege and license to do what they lust unpunished. Repentance goeth before faith, and prepareth the way to Christ, and to the promises. For Christ cometh, no, but unto them that see their sins in the law, and repent. Repentance, that is to say, this mourning and sorrow of the heart, lasteth all our lives long. For we find ourselves all our lives long, too weak for God's law, and therefore sorrow and mourn, longing for strength. Repentance is no sacrament, as faith, hope, love, and knowledge of a man's sins are not to be called sacraments, for they are spiritual and invisible. Now must a sacrament be an outward sign that may be seen to signify, to represent, and to put a man in remembrance of some spiritual promise which cannot be seen but by faith only. Repentance, and all the good deeds which accompany repentance to slay lusts of the flesh, are signified by baptism. For Paul saith, Romans 6, as it is above rehearsed, Remember ye not, saith he, that all we which are baptized in the name of Christ Jesus are baptized to die with him? We are buried with him in baptism for to die, that is, to kill the lusts and the rebellion which remaineth in the flesh. And after that he saith, Ye are dead, as concerning sin, but live unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If thou look on the profession of our hearts, and on the spirit and forgiveness which we have received through Christ's merits, we are full dead. But if thou look on the rebellion of the flesh, we do but begin to die and to be baptized, that is, to drown and quench the lusts that are full baptized at the last minute of death. And as concerning the working of the Spirit, we begin to live, and grow every day more and more both in knowledge and also in godly living, according as the lusts abate. As a child receiveth the full soul at the first day, yet groweth daily in the operations and works thereof.
of confession. Confession is diverse. One followeth true faith inseparably, and is the confessing and knowledging with the mouth, wherein we put our trust and confidence, as when we say our credo, confessing that we trust in God the Father Almighty, and in His truth and promises, and in His Son Jesus, our Lord, and in His merits and deservings, and in the Holy Ghost, and in His power, assistance, and guiding, this confession is necessary unto all men that will be saved. For Christ saith, Matthew 10, He that denieth me before men, him will I deny before my Father that is in heaven. And of this confession saith the holy apostle Paul, in the tenth chapter, The belief of the heart justifieth, and to knowledge with the mouth maketh a man safe. This is a wonderful text for our philosophers, or rather, sophisters, our worldly, wise enemies to the wisdom of God, our deep and profound wells without water, our clouds without moisture of rain, that is to say, natural souls without the Spirit of God and feeling of godly things. To justify and to make safe are both one thing, and to confess with the mouth is a good work and the fruit of a true faith, as all other works are. If thou repent and believe the promises, then God's truth justifieth thee, that is, forgiveth thee thy sins, and sealeth thee with his Holy Spirit, and maketh thee heir of everlasting life through Christ's deservings. Now if thou have true faith, so seest thou the exceeding and infinite love and mercy which God hath showed thee freely in Christ. Then must thou needs love again, and love cannot but compel thee to work, and boldly to confess and acknowledge thy Lord Christ, and the trust which thou hast in his word. And this knowledge maketh thee safe, that is, declareth that thou art safe already, certifieth thine heart, and maketh thee feel that thy faith is right, and that God's Spirit is in thee, as all other good works do. For if when it cometh unto the point thou hast no lust to work, nor power to confess, how couldst thou presume to think that God's Spirit were in thee? Another confession is there which goeth before faith, and accompanieth repentance. For whosoever repenteth doth acknowledge his sins in his heart, and whosoever doth acknowledge his sins receiveth forgiveness, as saith John in the first of his epistle. If we acknowledge our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is, because he hath promised, he must for his truth's sake do it. This confession is necessary all our lives long, as is repentance. And as thou understandest of repentance, so understand of this confession, for it is likewise included in the sacrament of baptism. For we always repent, and always acknowledge or confess our sins unto God, and yet despair not. But remember that we are washed in Christ's blood, which thing our baptism doth represent and signify unto us. Shrift in the ear is verily a work of Satan, and that the falsest that ever was wrought, and that most hath devoured the faith. It began among the Greeks, and was not, as it is now, to reckon all a man's sins in the priest's ear, but to ask counsel of such doubts as men had, 
as thou mayest see in St. Jerome and in other authors. Neither went they to priests only, which were very few at that time, no more than preach the word of God, for this so great vantage in so many masses, saying was not yet found, but went indifferently, where they saw a good, a learned man, and for, because of a little knavery, which a deacon at Constantinople played through confession with one of the chief wives of the city, it was laid down again. But we, Antichrist's possession, the more knavery we see grow thereby daily, the more we establish it. A Christian man is a spiritual thing, and hath God's word in his heart, and God's spirit, to certify him of all things. He is not bound to come to any ear, and as for the reasons which they make are but persuasions of man's wisdom. First, as pertaining unto the keys, the manner of binding and loosing is enough above rehearsed and in other places. Thou mayest also see how the apostles use them in the Acts and in Paul's epistles, how at the preaching of faith the Spirit came and certified their hearts that they were justified through believing the promises. When a man feeleth that his heart consenteth unto the law of God, and feeleth himself meek, patient, courteous, and merciful to his neighbor, altered and fashioned like unto Christ, why should he doubt but that God hath forgiven him, and chosen him, and put his spirit in him, though he never cram his sin into the priest's ear? One blind reason have they, saying, How shall the priest unbind, loose, and forgive the sin which he knoweth not? How did the apostles? The scripture forsake they, and run unto their blind reasons, and draw the scripture unto a carnal purpose. When I have told thee in thine ear all that I have done my life long, in order and with all circumstances, after the shamefulest manner, what canst thou do more than preach me the promises, saying, If thou repent and believe, God's truth shall save thee for Christ's sake. Thou seest not mine heart, thou knowest not whether I repent or no, neither whether I consent to the law that it is holy, righteous, and good. Moreover, whether I believe the promises or no is also unknown to thee. If thou preach the law and the promises, as the apostles did, so should they that God hath chosen repent, and believe, and be saved, even now as well as then. Howbeit Antichrist must know all secrets to establish his kingdom, and to work his mysteries withal. They bring also for them the stories of the ten lepers, which is written in the seventeenth chapter of Luke. Here mark their falsehood, and learn to know them forever. The fourteenth Sunday after the Feast of the Trinity, the beginning of the seventh lesson is the said gospel, and the eighth and the ninth lessons, with the rest of the seventh, is the exposition of Bide upon the said gospel, where, said Bide, of all that Christ healed, of whatsoever disease it were, he sent none unto the priests but the lepers, and by the lepers interpreteth followers of false doctrine only, which the spiritual officers and the learned men of the congregation ought to examine and rebuke their learning with God's word, and to warn the congregation to beware of them, which, if they were afterward healed by the grace of Christ, 
ought to come before the congregation and there openly confess their true faith. But all other vices, saith he, doth God heal within the conscience. Though they, this wise, read at matins, yet at high mass, if they have any sermon at all, they lie clean contrary unto the open truth. Neither are they ashamed at all. For why? They walk altogether in darkness. A contrition. Contrition and repentance are both one, and nothing else but a sorrowful and a mourning heart. And because that God hath promised mercy unto a contrite heart, that is, to a sorrowful and repenting heart, they, to beguile God's word, and to establish their wicked tradition, have feigned that new word, attrition, saying, Thou canst not know whether thy sorrow or repentance be contrition or attrition, except thou be shriven. When thou art shriven, then it is true contrition. Oh, sorry Pharisee, that is thy leaven of which Christ so diligently bade us beware, Matthew 6, and the very prophecy of Peter, through covetousness, with feigned words, shall they make merchandise of you, Second Peter 2. With such glosses corrupt they God's word to sit in the consciences of the people, to lead them captive, and to make a prey of them, buying and selling their sins to satisfy their insatiable covetousness. Nevertheless, the truth is, when any man hath trespassed against God, if he repent and knowledge his trespass, God promiseth him forgiveness without ear shrift. If he that hath offered his neighbor repent and acknowledge his fault, asking forgiveness, if his neighbor forgive him, God forgiveth him also by his holy promise. Matthew 18. Likewise, if he that sinneth openly, when he is openly rebuked, repent and turn, then if the congregation forgive him, God forgiveth him, and so forth, whosoever repenteth, and when he is rebuked, acknowledgeth his fault is forgiven. He also that doubteth, or hath his conscience tangled, ought to open his mind unto some faithful brother that is learned, and he shall give him faithful counsel to help him withal. To whom a man trespasseth, unto him he ought to confess. But to confess myself unto thee, O Antichrist, whom I have not offended, am I not bound? They of the old law had no confession in the ear, neither the apostles, nor they that followed many hundred years after, knew of any such whispering, whereby then was their attrition turned unto contrition. Yea, why are we, which Christ came to loose, more bound than the Jews? Yea, and why are we more bound without scripture? For Christ came not to make us more bound, but to loose us, and to make a thousand things no sin which before were sin, and are now become sin again. He left none other law with us but the law of love. He loosed us not from Moses to bind us unto Antichrist's ear. God had not tied Christ unto Antichrist's ear, neither hath poured all his mercy in thither, for it hath no record in the Old Testament that Antichrist's ear should be propitiatorium, that is to wit, God's mercy stool and that God should creep into so narrow a hole, so that he could nowhere else be found. 
Neither did God write his laws, neither yet his holy promises in Antichrist's ear, but hath graved them with this Holy Spirit in the hearts of them that believe, that they might have them always ready at hand to be saved thereby. Satisfaction As pertaining unto satisfaction, this wise understand, that he that loveth God hath the commandment, as St. John saith in the fourth chapter of his first epistle, to love his neighbor also, whom if thou have offended, thou must make him amends or satisfaction, or at the least weigh, if thou be not able, ask him forgiveness, and if he will have mercy of God, he is bound to forgive thee. If he will not, yet God forgiveth thee, if thou thus submit thyself. But unto Godward, Christ is a perpetual and everlasting satisfaction forevermore. As oft as thou fallest through frailty, repent and come again, and thou art safe and welcome, as thou mayest see by the similitude of the riotous son. Luke 15. If thou be lopen out of sanctuary, come in again. If thou be fallen from the way of truth, come thereto again, and thou art safe. If thou be gone astray, come to the fold again, and the shepherd, Christ, shall save thee, yea, and the angels of heaven shall rejoice at thy coming. So far it is off that any man shall beat thee or chide thee. If any Pharisee envy thee, grudge at thee, or rail upon thee, thy father shall make answer for thee, as thou seest in the fore-rehearsed likeness or parable. Whosoever, therefore, is gone out of the way, by whatsoever chance it be, let him come to his baptism again, and unto the profession thereof, and he shall be safe. For though that the washing of baptism be past, yet the power thereof, that is to say, the word of God, which baptism preacheth, lasteth ever, and saveth forever. As Paul is past and gone, nevertheless the word that Paul preached lasteth ever, and saveth ever, as many as come thereto, with a repenting heart and a steadfast faith. Hereby seest thou, that when they make penance of repentance, and call it a sacrament, and divide it into contrition, confession, and satisfaction, they speak of their own heads, and lie falsely. Absolution Their absolution also justifieth no man from sin, for with the heart do men believe to be justified withal, saith Paul, Romans 10. That is, through faith and believing the promises are we justified, as I have sufficiently proved in other places with the scripture. Faith, saith Paul, in the same place, cometh by hearing, that is to say, by hearing the preacher that is sent from God, and preacheth God's promises. Now, when thou absolvest in Latin, the unlearned heareth not. For how, saith Paul, 1 Corinthians 14, when thou blessest in an unknown tongue, shall the unlearned say amen unto thy thanksgiving. For he wotteth not what thou sayest. So likewise the lay wotteth not whether thou loose or bind, or whether thou bless or curse. In like manner is it if the lay understand Latin, or though the priest absolve in English. For in his absolution he rehearseth no promise of God, but speaketh his own words, saying, I, by the authority of Peter and Paul, absolve or loose thee from all thy sins. Thou sayest so, which art but a lying man, and never more than now verily. Thou sayest, I forgive thee thy sins, 
and the scripture, John the first, that Christ only forgiveth and taketh away the sins of the world. And Paul and Peter and all the apostles preach that all is forgiven in Christ and for Christ's sake. God's word only looseth, and thou in preaching that mightest loose also, and else not. Whosoever hath ears, let him hear, and let him that hath eyes see. If any man love to be blind, his blindness on his own head, and not on mine. They allege for themselves the saying of Christ to Peter, Matthew 16, Whatsoever thou bindest on earth, it shall be bound, and whatsoever thou looseth, and so forth, lo, they say, whatsoever we bind, and whatsoever we loose, here is nothing accepted. And another text lay they of Christ in the last of Matthew, All power is given to me, saith Christ, in heaven and in earth, go therefore and preach, etc. Preaching leaveth the Pope out, and saith, Lo, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth, and thereupon taketh upon him temporal power above king and emperor, and maketh laws, and bindeth them. And like power taketh he over God's laws, and dispenseth with them at his lust, making no sin of that which God maketh sin, and maketh sin where God maketh none. Yea, and wipeth out God's laws clean, and maketh at his pleasure, and with him is lawful what he lusteth. He bindeth where God looseth, and looseth where God bindeth. He blesseth where God curseth, and curseth where God blesseth. He taketh authority also to bind and loose in purgatory. That permit I unto him, for it is a creature of his own making. He also bindeth the angels, for we read of popes that have commanded the angels to set diverse out of purgatory. Howbeit I am not yet certified whether they obeyed or no. Understand, therefore, that to bind and to loose is to preach the law of God and the gospel or promises, as thou mayst see in the third chapter of the second epistle to the Corinthians, where Paul called the preaching of the law the ministration of death and damnation, and the preaching of the promises the ministering of the Spirit and of righteousness. For when the law is preached, all men are found sinners, and therefore damned, and when the gospel and glad tidings are preached, then are all that repent and believe found righteous in Christ. And so expound it all the doctors. St. Jerome saith upon this text, Whatsoever thou bindest, the bishops and priests, saith he, for lack of understanding, take a little presumption of the Pharisees upon them, and think that they have the authority to bind innocence and to loose the wicked, which thing our Pope and bishops do. For they say, the curse is to be feared, be it right or wrong. Though thou have not deserved, yet if the Pope curse thee, thou art in peril of thy soul as they lie. Yea, and though he be never so wrongfully cursed, he must be fain to buy absolution. But St. Jerome saith, as the priest of the old law made the lepers clean or unclean, so bindeth and unbindeth the priest of the new law. The priest there made no man a leper, neither cleansed any man but God, and the priest judged only by Moses' law who was clean and who was unclean, when they were brought unto him. So here we have the law of God to judge what is sin and what is not, and who is bound and who is not. Moreover, if any man have sin, 
Yet if he repent and believe the promise, we are sure by God's word that he is loosed and forgiven in Christ. Other authority than this wise to preach have the priest not. Christ's apostles had no other themselves, as it appeareth throughout all the New Testament. Therefore it is manifest that they have not. St. Paul saith, 1 Corinthians 15, When we say all things are under Christ, he is to be accepted that put all under him. God the Father is not under Christ, but above Christ, and Christ's head. 1 Corinthians 6. Christ saith, John 12, I have not spoken of mine own head, but my Father, which sent me, gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. Whatsoever I speak therefore, even as my Father bade me, so I speak. If Christ had a law, what he should do, how happeneth it that the Pope so runneth at large lawless? Though that all power were given unto Christ in heaven and in earth, yet had he no power over his Father, nor yet to reign temporarily over temporal princes, but a commandment to obey them. How hath the Pope then such temporal authority over king and emperor? How hath he authority above God's laws, and to command the angels, the saints, and God himself? Christ's authority, which he gave to his disciples, was to preach the law and to bring sinners to repentance, and then to preach unto them the promises which the Father had made unto all men for his sake, and the same to preach only sent he his apostles. As a king sendeth forth his judges, and giveth them his authority, saying, What ye do, that do I, I give you my full power. Yet meaneth he not by that full power that they should destroy any town or city, or oppress any man, or do what they list, or should reign over the lords and dukes of his realm and over his own self, but giveth them a law with them, and authority to bind and loose, as far forth as the law stretcheth and maketh mention, that is, to punish the evil that do wrong, and to avenge the poor that suffer wrong. And so far as the law stretcheth, will the king defend his judge against all men. And as the temporal judges bind and loose temporally, so do the priests spiritually and no other ways. Howbeit by falsehood and subtlety the pope reigneth under Christ, as cardinals and bishops do under kings, lawless. The pope, say they, absolveth or looseth a poena et culpa, that is, from the fault or trespass, and from the pain due unto the trespass. God, if a man repent, forgiveth the offense only, and not the pain also, say they, save turneth the everlasting pain unto a temporal pain, and appointeth seven years in purgatory for every deadly sin. But the Pope, for money, forgiveth both, and hath more power than God, and is more merciful than God. This do I, saith the Pope, of my full power, and of the treasure of the church, of deservings of martyrs, confessors, and merits of Christ. First, the merits of the saints did not save themselves, but were saved by Christ's merits only. Secondarily, God hath promised Christ's merits unto all that repent, so that whosoever repenteth is immediately heir of all Christ's merits, and beloved of God as Christ is. How then came this foul monster to be lord over Christ's merits, 
so that he hath power to sell that which God giveth freely. O dreamers, yea, O devils, and O venomous scorpions, what poison have ye in your tails? O pestilent leaven, that so turneth the sweet bread of Christ's doctrine into the bitterness of gall. The frares run in the same spirit, and teach, saying, Do good deeds, and redeem the pains that abide you in purgatory. Yea, give us somewhat to do good works for you, and thus is sin become the profitablest merchandise in the world. Oh, the cruel wrath of God upon us, because we love not the truth. For this is the damnation and judgment of God, to send a false prophet unto him that will not hear the truth. I know you, saith Christ, John 5, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in the Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him shall ye receive. This doth God avenge himself on the malicious hearts which have no love to his truth. All the promises of God have they either whipped clean out, or thus leavened them with open lies to establish their confession withal, and to keep us from knowledge of the truth they do all things in Latin. They pray in Latin, they Christian in Latin, they bless in Latin, they give absolution in Latin, only curse they in the English tongue, wherein they take upon them greater authority than ever God gave them. For in their curses, as they call them, with book, bell, and candle, they command God and Christ and the angels and all saints to curse them. Curse them God, say they, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Curse them, Virgin Mary, etc. O ye abominable, who gave you authority to command God to curse? God commandeth you to bless, and ye command him to curse? Bless them that persecute you. Bless, but curse not, saith St. Paul. Romans 12. What tyranny will these not use over men which presume and take upon them to be lords over God and to command him? If God shall curse any man, who shall bless and make him better? No man can amend himself except God pour his spirit unto him. Have we not a commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves? How can I love him and curse him also? James saith, It is not possible that blessing and cursing should come both out of one mouth. Christ commandeth, Matthew 5, saying, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that do you wrong and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your heavenly Father. In the marches of Wales, it is the manner if any man have an ox or a cow stolen, he cometh to the curate and desireth him to curse the stealer. And he commandeth the parish to give him every man's curse and his. God's curse and mine have he, saith every man in the parish. O merciful God! What is blasphemy, if this be not blasphemy and shaming of the doctrine of Christ? Understand, therefore, the power of excommunication is this, If any man sin openly, and amendeth not, when he is warned, then ought he to be rebuked openly before all the parish. And the priest ought to prove by the scripture that all such have no part with Christ. For Christ severeth not, but for them that love the law of God, and consent that it is good, holy, and righteous, and repent, sorrowing and mourning for the power and strength to fulfill it. 
and all the parish ought to be warned to avoid the company of all such, and to take them as heathen people. This is not done that he should perish, but to save him, to make him ashamed, and to kill the lusts of the flesh, that the Spirit might come unto the knowledge of truth. And we ought to pity him, and to have compassion on him, and with all diligence to pray unto God for him, to give him grace to repent, and to come to the right way again, and not to use such tyranny over God and man, commanding God to curse. And if he repent, we ought with all mercy to receive him in again. This mayest thou see, Matthew 18, and 1 Corinthians 5, and 2 Corinthians 2. Confirmation If confirmation have a promise, then it justifieth as far as the promise extendeth. If it have no promise, then it is not of God, as the bishops be not. The apostles and ministers of God preach God's word, and God's signs or sacraments signify God's word also, and put us in remembrance of the promises which God hath made unto us in Christ. Contrarywise, Antichrist bishops preach not, and their sacraments speak not, but as the disguised bishop's mum, so are their superstitious sacraments dumb. After that, the bishops had left preaching, then feigned they this dumb ceremony of confirmation to have somewhat at the least way, whereby they might reign over their diocese. They reserved unto themselves also the christening of bells, and conjuring, or hollowing, of churches, and churchyards, and of altars, and super-altars, and hollowing, of chalices, and so forth, whatsoever is of honor or profit, which confirmation and the other conjurations also they have now committed to their suffragans, because they themselves have no leisure to minister such things for their lusts and pleasures and abundance of all things, and for the cumbrance that they have in the king's matters and business of the realm. One keepeth the privy seal, another the great seal, the third is confessor, that is to say, a privy traitor and a secret Judas. He is president of the prince's council. He is an ambassador, another sort of the king's secret council. Woe is unto the realms where they are of the council. As profitable are they, verily, unto the realms with their council, as the wolves unto the sheep, or the foxes unto the geese. They will say that the Holy Ghost is given through such ceremonies. If God had so promised, so should it be. But Paul saith, Galatians 3, that the Spirit is received through preaching of the faith. And, Acts 10, while Peter preached the faith, the Holy Ghost fell on Cornelius and on his household. How shall we say then to that which they will lay against us in the eighth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, where Peter and John put their hands on the Samaritans and the Holy Ghost came? I say that by putting, or with putting, or as they put their hands on them, the Holy Ghost came. Nevertheless, the putting on of the hands did neither help nor hinder, for the text saith, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. God had made the apostles a promise that he would, with such miracles, confirm their preaching and move other to the faith, mark the last. The apostles, therefore, believed and prayed God to fulfill his promise, 
and God, for his truth's sake, even so did. So was it the prayer of faith that brought the Holy Ghost, as thou mayest see also in the last of James. If any man be sick, saith James, call the elders of the congregation, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of the faith shall heal the sick. Where a promise is, there is faith bold to pray, and God true to give her her petition. Putting on of the hands is an indifferent thing, for the Holy Ghost came by preaching of the faith, and miracles were done at the prayer of faith, as well without putting on of the hands, as with, as thou seest in many places. Putting on of the hands was the manner of that nation as it was to rend their clothes, and to put on sackcloth, and to sprinkle themselves with ashes and earth, when they heard of, or saw, any sorrowful thing, as it was Paul's manner to stretch out his hand when he preached. And as it is our manner to hold up our hands when we pray, and as some kiss their thumbnail, and put it to their eyes, and as we put our hands on children's head when we bless them, saying, Christ bless thee, my son, and God make thee a good man, which gestures neither help nor hinder. This mayest thou well see by the twelfth chapter of the Acts, where the Holy Ghost commanded to separate Paul and Barnabas to go and preach. Then the other fasted and prayed, and put their hands on their heads and sent them forth. They received not the Holy Ghost then by putting on of hands, but the other, as they put their hands on their heads, prayed for them, that God would go with them, and strength them, and encourage them also, bidding them to be strong in God, and warn them to be faithful and diligent in the work of God, and so forth. End of Penance, Confession, Contrition, Satisfaction, Absolution, Confirmation by William Tyndale Read by David Ronald